Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to our continuing preaching series on the book of Ephesians. Two weeks ago, Father Greg introduced the book and reminded us of the gift that God has given us, the gift of his Son living in us. And last week, Father Rick told us that God's plan is for us to all be on the same team and to wear the same jersey. Today, though, we hear an incredible passage that simply takes my breath away, and perhaps it does you as well. I think if you really pay attention, you'll find an overwhelming joy of what it's saying to us. Paul is praying for the church that he founded in Ephesus a city in what is modern-day Turkey. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Does that rock you? It sure does me. The climax and summary is that last sentence so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I think that's mind-boggling. That we may attain to the fullness of being, the fullness of God himself. Now, this climactic promise is a dazzling restatement of the entire passage. It's Paul's final effort to make the extravagant possibility as emphatic as he can. His preceding petitions give it shape and meaning that out of the riches of his glory he may grant you strength and power through his spirit in your inner being and through faith Christ may dwell in your heart and love. Now, the way to attain fullness of being or to use a more modern term, wholeness is to have Christ dwell within us. So let's start today by focusing on the fact that the indwelling Christ is an affirming presence in our lives. But before I start on that, I want to address a common human issue. And that issue is that we're not worthy. You know, I'm not feeling worthy to experience Christ in that way. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. I don't give enough. I don't deserve God's love. In our gospel today, we hear that there are 5,000 hungry people following Jesus. And one of the disciples, Andrew, says to him, 
There is a boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? In other words, they didn't have enough either. But you know the rest of the story. Jesus blesses the food, they distribute it, and then they pick up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. The point is that we need to trust God, that we give whatever it is we have, however great or small, and trust that God will do the rest. That's the part of the shaping power of the indwelling Christ. His affirming presence reminding us that God knows us thoroughly and yet loves us thoroughly. But here's the big truth. Each of us is someone special. That's right. Each of us is someone special. Though we're all human, we're all unique. No one is exactly like you. Every person needs to know that whatever their gifts, small or large, they are their very own. Every person is a miracle of existence, lovely in the eyes of God. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus said, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten by God. Fear not. You are of more value than the sparrows. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. That's the marvelous, liberating message of Christianity. That you are important within yourself. Unlike much of the current psychological emphasis, Christian faith affirms the fact that we gain our importance through our relationship to God. Not in relation to what we do or who we are or what we have. It's our relationship with God that we are declared to be precious and ultimately important. Now, realizing how precious and important you are to God, Listen again to Paul's prayer to the Ephesians, and I believe truly his prayer to us right here today. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses understanding, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. You know, it's difficult to even grasp a fleeting glimpse of how wide and high and deep and long is the love of Christ. Our culture knows a love that, that comes as a reward for being good, a reward for being faithful, for being kind, for giving gifts, for appropriate behavior. But this is not the love that surpasses understanding. This is not the love that Paul prays that we may get a glimpse of. But it is a love that flows freely without consideration of reward. This is a love that is not inherent in human nature. Because we, you know, we tend to love people who love us, right? But Jesus calls us to love everyone, regardless. The love of Christ is not the love we see on the Hollywood movie screen. The love of Christ that surpasses human understanding is what we are called to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And it's only in faith that we're able to do so. And we may not be able to, to actually be capable of the kind of love that Jesus has, but we can be transformed by it. In the book, 
God's word in man's language. Eugene Nida explains that the Indians of Nicaragua and Honduras say that love is pain in the heart. The Mayan people of the Central Highlands of Mexico understand the verse from John 3.16 to read, God so hurt in his heart that he gave his only son. Anyone who has loved long enough and deeply enough understands this connection between love and suffering, between love and pain. When we review the greatness of many men and women in history, we realize that one of the most outstanding measures of greatness is their capacity for suffering, suffering love. Scott Peck, in his book, The Road Less Traveled, describes the difference between love and dependency. When someone says, I love him or her so much, I can't live without them, Peck explains that what you describe is actually parasitism. Love is the exercise of free choice. Two people love each other when they are quite capable of living without each other, but choose to live with each other. Peck continues to describe this condition of dependency as the most common psychiatric disorder. People with this disorder, passive dependent people, are so busy seeking to be loved that they have no energy to love. There are occasional instances in which human acts become the conduits for what we call agape love. But normal human behavior often finds us standing behind barriers. Barriers of political opinion, religious views, or personal differences. We cling obsessively to personal hurts. We allow our bitterness to separate us not only from our neighbors, but in many cases from our closest family members. She hurt me and I, I can never forget her words. Or they never send a thank you note, so that's the last time I do anything for them. How could anyone with an ounce of intelligence vote for fill in the blank? St. Thomas Aquinas wrote, we must love them both those whose opinions we share and those whose opinions we reject. For both have labored in search of the truth and helped us in the finding of it. One of my favorite quotations comes from the ancient philosopher Cicero. Philosopher Cicero. There is no more certain sign of arrogance, narrow-mindedness, and ignorance than to stand apart from those who think differently from us. Too often we allow these differences to grow walls among us. And how important is it for us to remember that the one for whom we harbor bitterness, the one who holds a different opinion, the one who has different values, are all individuals whom Christ loves and for whom Christ died. God grants you the strength in your inner being to grasp the depth of the love of Christ so that you may attain the fullness of being. You and I have an incredible resource for achieving greatness in suffering love, that is to become great lovers. Listen again to Paul's prayer. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love surpasses knowledge.
that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Remember the words that God speaks to you and spoke to you were the same ones that he spoke to his son at the River Jordan. You are my child, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. These words remind us that God's love and acceptance is not dependent on our performance. God loves us for who we are, not what we've done. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. God proclaimed at your baptism, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are beloved. And then you were sealed and marked as Christ's own forever. May you have the power, Paul writes, to, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. We see glimpses of this in some of the great names of history like Mother Teresa, Mahatma Gandhi, and Martin Luther King Jr. You and I see it from time to time in our own circles, in a mother's love and patience, and a father's labor. One story that reflects this love is about little Willie, the smallest child of a sharecropping family in the 1940s. They had just enough money to survive. One time, though, through mother's careful saving, they had an extra dollar. And she went to the Sears and Roebuck catalog to buy their first luxury, a small mirror. And when it, it arrived, each family member took a turn looking at it. And when it finally got to Willie, he gasped in horror. His face was full of scars. As an infant, he had been bitten by a dog, and as a toddler, he had been kicked in the head by a horse. He looked at his mother and said, Mama, did you know all along I looked like this? Yes, Willie, I knew. And you still loved me? Yes, of course I loved you, Willie. And I do love you, and I will always love you. I love you because you are mine. There are times when, when I look at the scars of my own sinfulness and I have to ask the Lord, can you love me this way? Even though I neglect you and come to you only at my convenience. And then in the solitude of my prayers, I hear him whisper, yes, I love you. I love you because you are mine. As one preacher put it, there is nothing you can do to make God love you. And there is nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. As our own Father Rick says just about every Sunday, you are loved with a love that you did not earn and therefore can never lose. This is the truth of who you are in Christ. The truth of who you are in Christ. Let us pray. I kneel before the Father, and I pray that he may strengthen you with the power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen.
Thanks for listening. If you like today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.